You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to the podcast. I walked on the famous Camino de Santiago pilgrimage route in Spain this year for this three-part Camino special podcast series. Along the way, I interviewed many interesting people, including fellow walkers, pilgrims, guides and historians. The Camino is over 800 kilometres from the Spanish border in the Pyrenees to Santiago de Compostela in Galicia and it typically takes a walker between 30 to 35 days to complete. I bought the hiking boots I wore on the Camino in the last century. I got them in 1999 to precise and since then they've carried me on walks throughout the world. They gave me blisters when breaking them in on the Inca Trail in Peru. The front lace flaps melted when I left them to dry by a campfire in the Indian Himalayas after a very long day traversing a snow-covered pass. I remember looking down at my slightly disleveled and dusty old boots pounding the gravel on the Camino and thinking about all the walks they've been on. But why did this one feel so special to me and to so many people? I asked this simple question to many pilgrims during my Camino to try to find the answer. The word I kept hearing and coming back to is magical. The Camino is a truly magical pilgrimage and I hope these three episodes convey in some small way why the Camino is so special to so many people around the world. Today we are going to hear from some of the fascinating people I met along the way starting now with Charlotte O'Madon who I met on the Camino and I interviewed the day he finished his Camino. So what is your impression now that you've done it? You've done the whole Camino, like the French Camino. Like, what is your impression of it? Probably without even, you know, without doubt, this is probably the best thing I've ever done, you know, in my, in my whole life, you know, um, physically for sure. But just to take a whole month out, you know, and just to have, spent all that time with people, you know, um, say doing the physical work, but also just, just going through Spain. I mean, what a beautiful, yeah, I never thought I would actually get to the end. And, you know, there was one stage, it was a realization that it was actually getting close to the end and none of us wanted it to end. And then, you know, sort of like on that physical journey you do sort of think about you know no life in general and that's whenever I said well this this is just a bit like life isn't it you know at at some stage the journey will end like death does come to us all there's no question about it and life in general you just have to get on with it and sort of make the most of every day and enjoy um every day like as we did on the walk and didn't talk about it ending you said but no just this is beautiful today the scenery is nice the food's good the company's good our feet are killing us, um, you know, but you just have to get on with it or, or, or don't. Yeah. And many people don't get on with it. They just sort of opt out for a couple of days, you know, to recover and recuperate. But as I said, it's just a bit like life in general. And I think one of the nice things about doing the Camino is you've got so much time on your hands that you can actually try and think about things and try to, um, I don't know, make sense or whatever your life is like at that moment. But it, for me, it was just like a reconfirmation of, of I and mean, I'm pretty broad-minded anyway, um, you know, and, and sort of just realizing, yeah, you know, life is just about making the most of what you've got and just get on with it, don't complain. 
you know, enjoy it as much as possible, help people. Just to let people know that I, we met you, the crew where I was with, we met you in Burgos, I think it was, in a restaurant. And, um, you know, when I arrived in Santiago, actually, I was walking past a girl, I think she was German, and she was saying that she was happy when she was walking, but she didn't know what she was going to do now, you know? Like you just like you described, she sort of sounded like a guy said to her, why don't you just keep going? Well, well yeah, you could, you know, and it, and it does it does give you purpose and and you know every day you know you have to get up first thing you do is you you know sort your feet out put your cream on get the vaseline out rub rub it all over your feet put some compete on your blisters if you need to do that or you usually do that the night before you know you know just get your stuff together and out you would go so it's 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 having real purpose and funnily you know waking up yesterday morning which was the first time I didn't have to go to walk. It was like, oh, what am I going to do today? It was, it was like a bit of an empty, an empty feeling. Um, but that was filled because we, I got here two days um, before I had planned to get back. So other people we had met were still coming in. So the excitement was sitting up in the plaza in front of the cathedral, waiting for our friends to come in. Yeah. And everybody that you had met for the past month were just coming in. And that was that was actually one of my highlights. One of the exciting bits was was seeing everybody else coming in and just looking at the relief, the happiness, the excitement on every single person as they sort of come in there, you know. And that was that was magical. But getting up to the square and just watching people, I could sit there all day, you know, just just looking. It's it's such a wonderful place. Because the day I was there, I kept going back to the square. I love that just standing oh, in a corner. And watching different the different reactions. Some people just lie on the ground and look up at the church, or people are hugging or singing. And I actually started. Um, I actually was like singing a song. I was as I was coming in through that tunnel area, you know, the the covered area where the bagpipes are yeah, playing. And I was singing the singing the song from My Fair Lady that I used to sing when I was a kid. It's funny, yeah, you know. Also, at that moment, you know. Because I mean, I didn't quite know that the cathedral was there, but once I heard the bagpipes, and that tunnel says, "Right, I'm nearly there." And I was taking lots of video of the whole journey, comment on it, and I was, it was speaking, but I had to actually stop it because I was nearly in tears. You know, just with whatever feeling it was of just getting there, it was. I don't know. I can't even remember being that excited. You know, about anything else. You know, maybe Liverpool winning the Premiership or down winning in All Ireland or something like that, which is rare. <laughs> um, but it's just that feeling of actually getting there was was just something really, really special. And that is after how many days were you walking then? Thirty-one. Wow. Um, so yeah, thirty-one, and we I walked every day. Um, I, mean, I had sort of planned to take thirty-five. You know, with with a few stops and a few layovers, but I just felt that I had to keep going every day, and you know, I didn't want to have what people call a rest day. Um, I just enjoyed this whole walking thing, and they interest me. Um, as you know, you can send your bags ahead to the next stop if if you want to. So I decided to send my bag ahead that day. You know, just walk the thirty six kilometers. But that day, my back was killing me. The pain was excruciating without the backpack <sighs> and ever since then I've just put the back on and you know after a while you don't even know you're wearing a backpack you know but for some reason that day without it it was just very uncomfortable and um you know so I've always I've, so I was the only day I did that but wearing the backpack 
there's something comforting about it, you know, um, something physically comforting about it, but certainly just to have everything with you, you know, what's in that bag. It's just a nice thing to be walking, walking around with. And you started in France, didn't you? You went over the Pyrenees. In France, in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. Um, yeah, and actually arrived, I've got the flight from Dublin to Biritz. And I was coming out of the airport in Biritz. There was a few other, you know, Pellegrinos. And it was just this girl, and I turned around to her, and she actually lives in Dublin, but she's from Poland. Um, she's a wine taster. So part of her Camino was actually trying to check out all the different wines, you know. And we got out of the airport and I said, how are you getting to um, Bayonne? Because that's where you get the train from to go to, um, you know, Saint-Jean. She said, I, I was going to walk it. You know, I went, what? Walk it's way too far. And then I realized, well, actually, I'm here to walk 790 kilometers. So we walked from the Brits airport to Bayonne train station. And that was seven kilometers. So it was at the start of my Camino. So I had an extra seven um, compared to everybody else, you know. <laughs> and then um, it's interesting, once we got the train, it was just full of Pellegrinos. It was like something from Harry Potter. You know, they're all going back to school again on the train. It was just the excitement, people, you know. And there was you know, young people, old people, and, and just all the excitement. And interestingly, that's, that's, I think, one of the first observations I noticed. People were either very old or very young you know, like in their 20s or my age plus, you know, and that's because the rest of the world have to go to work. You know, it was only people who are retired or maybe unemployed or retired like I was um, or just finishing university or before they go to university, these young people were going, but not many people, you know, in the sort of mid-30s to the sort of mid-50 bracket, you know, somebody has to keep the world, you know, rolling along. Was it different than you imagined it was going to be? T to be honest, I didn't really know what it was going to like to be, you know. But yeah, look, it was completely different. What I think now about it compared to 31 days ago, it's, it's completely, you know. I didn't realise how many people you would meet and how you know, strong those bonds would, would become with People we'd never even heard of 31 days ago. And then, so, and then before you know it, you've emptied your heart to them. They know everything about you. You know everything about them. And so, so that, was, that was something that I wasn't really um, expecting. I, I think the walking was easier than I thought it was going to be, you know, so I was sort of surprised by that one. But I was reasonably fit anyway, you know, and I was doing a bit of walking up in the morns, you know, this summer anyway. And I was over in London with my daughter and I was walking around London and that wasn't preparing for the Camino. I was just doing that. Um, so, so yeah, so the walking was a lot easier than I thought. Um, I actually enjoyed the hostels more than I thought I was going to do, you know, sleeping in a room. I think one had 133 beds in it. Um, that was massive, but you know, due to the pandemic, most of them are at sort of 50% capacity. So, you know, there's nobody in a bunk bed above you. So did you always stay in the hostels? No, three nights I took single accommodation, basically just to get some sleep, you know, because I hadn't realized how light of a sleeper it was. And one, one person zipping his rucksack or opening a bag of nuts would just wake me up, you know. So then about at the start, I think after five or six days, I just booked into a single room 
just to get some sleep. And and they were the single rooms were fantastic. You know, there was luxury. You know, your own little sink, your own little you know room, your own space was good. But the thing is, in the albergs um, or the hostels, it was nice just to meet other people. Um, and I think one of the highlights of those was some of the what they call Pellegrino meals. You know, when the albergues would just say like seven euros, ten euros, you want dinner? And that would be fantastic. You'd just sit on a table with complete strangers, have your your starter, your main course, your dessert, and basically as much red wine as you could um, as you could drink. So that was good. Um, you know, to meet to, to meet people that how, way as well. How much do they cost the the hostels? Because they're general. I think roughly the the cheapest I paid was seven euro, um, and I think the most expensive was about fifteen euro. Um, I, I think fantastic value, you know, um, hot, always good showers, a bed to sleep in. They're always clean. Um, they had washing facilities, washing machines, whatever. They ever, I, mean, I used to do my washing in the shower with me, you know, because the water was hot and you had shampoo and that was the easiest way. Although lots of them don't like you, you doing that one. So, um, so that was good, but, but great, great value for money. You know? and, and very good from the social point of view. That's where you kind of get to meet people who are traveling on their own, I'd say, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, to be honest, the majority of people are traveling alone. That, that's what I felt. There was very few people who were there as a group. And so, you know, I would call it like, you know, the magic. I don't know what this magic is that, that the Camino has, but it definitely has it. And I really felt it more when I came home, actually. And is that the, is that, that's one part of it is the, the camaraderie. Uh, among people I think people are going with that mindset because a lot of people know they went oh you meet people so everyone's open to meeting people yeah yeah def- definitely you know you know but you do have to make the effort and talk to people yourself you know not just wait for people to come in and talk to you but that, that, that was, that's certainly a magic moment just talking to people meeting people and then I suppose like like certain people you just bond with more and that becomes your little band of people that you're with each other for a whole month like your Camino family as, as we sort of called it, you know, and then you set up your little WhatsApp group and you, you, is everybody okay? Where are you going tonight for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's, it's just like a little family family group. And, you know, sad this, like, for the last two days, you know, you get your ping. Somebody's just flown back to Dublin. Um, Gerhard's just flown down to Valencia to meet his family. Um, somebody else has gone off somewhere else and you're saying, right, my goodness, this, they're, all, they're all going. And yeah. how, how does it work then when you're walking with people? Could you just say, I've done walks where you meet someone on, on day one and then you're going, gosh, I don't want to get lamped with this person for 30 days. Or I, I like kind of mixing. So is it is it kind of relaxed that way? Do you, you... It's where, yeah, we sort of called it the Camino bubble, you know, where you could actually feel like you have to stay with these people for the whole time. But I don't know. That, I mean, there's no written laws or rules to the Camino, but it must be somewhere that it's just dead easy. You know, you, you don't walk with people in the daytime if you don't want to, or if they don't want to, or don't even talk to them. And like, um, and you know, I could be walking with you for ten minutes, and then I'll just walk on. So it's all to do with the pace you're walking at, you know. Um, and and you don't just stop your pace because of someone else or if you're talking to somebody and they're slower and they said no no go on, go ahead don't worry about it um in the same way you know um in the evenings if you don't want to have dinner together then then you don't like nobody takes it personally 
um, and you can just do whatever you want to do. And that's that's one of the nice things as well about it. You don't feel that you're um, stuck with these people if you don't really want want to do it, you know. And so that's that's not a bother, and nobody takes anything yeah. personal at all whatsoever. And for the accommodation, would you book? in advance or was it literally then each day as you went along you had a rough idea what you're going to do and then arrive in a place or how did it work now to be honest i i booked in advance probably every two days i would know roughly where i'm, I'm going to be staying you know and you get a lot of all these sort of you know people on the grips you know so that's not the proper camino you have to just you know decide where you're going to go because it means you're walking to your booking not the camino but that's, I, I think that's a lot of rubbish, really. Of Everybody's Camino is their own Camino. Do what you want to do. You know, stay in a five-star hotel if you want. Um, but, but booking was really easy. So I used booking.com a lot. And that was fantastic because that actually told me where I was staying, you know, because you have the, the app tells you exactly where you're at. So you don't need to be rummaging around emails to see where you're staying. So for the most part, booking.com is fantastic. And there you can see the hostels and the albergues, as well as single accommodation, whatever you wanted. Um, but lots of the places would actually not use booking.com because they know they can get more they get more money for themselves if people book it independently. Um, but there's lots of brilliant apps you can use. One's called Buen Camino, and then there's another one called bronze.com, and they list all the albergues. They've all got telephone numbers, email addresses that you can contact them. I also found out when I emailed them, they would say you're full. But if you call them, they'll say yes, no problem. We can we can accommodate you. So it's it's well worth give, giving it a, a phone call as well, and just to make sure that you can you can get a place. But um, never had any problem getting accommodation. Um, and that first leg over the Pyrenees is that one of the hardest stages? Look, if you read all the books that say it's the hardest stage, you know. I actually didn't think it was the hardest stage, to be honest. You know, I don't know why it's because, you know, I've, I've walked up, sleeped on it a few times, you know, and just reminded me of the Morn Mountains and going up there. Um, but I, I think you've got so much adrenaline in you on the first day that you don't, you could do anything. You know, you could walk to the moon and back again. Um, but it was a bit tiring coming back down to Ronce Valleys. You know, I remember that bit and I'm very glad to get my accommodation. But um, you know, it's, it's a tough climb because you've got to, I think it's 1,400 metres. But I think you're starting already at about six, 600. So it's not massive climb. I think we were lucky because the weather was fantastic. You know, just a little bit of light cloud cover. So not too hot, but you can see all the views. Um, so I, I didn't think it was that hard. But they reckon it's, it's the hardest leg on the, I was going to say, on the tour, on the Camino. You know, but definitely... It's, it's definitely worth starting from there, I think, just to just that achievement when you walk up over this cow grate and that's the border between, you know, Spain and France. You know, it's a bit like, you know, where I live, going over the border, you don't even know you're going over it, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's a fantastic feeling once you know you're in Spain. But just to think you're actually walking through the Pyrenees and over the Pyrenees is, is a, it's a brilliant thing just to keep thinking about as you're, as you're doing that one. And then lots of people would stop at Orison, which is the first stop going up the mountain. And then they would actually um, continue the next day to that one. But I think if you're going to do it, it's, it's well worth doing that first, that first stage. Yeah. So what is your impression now that you've done it? You've done the whole Camino. 
like the French Camino, like what is your impression of it? Probably without even, you know, without doubt, this is probably the best thing I've ever done, you know, in my, in my whole life, you know, um, physically for sure, but just to take a whole month out, you know, and just to have spent all that time with people, you know, um, say doing the physical work, but also just, just going through Spain. I mean, what a beautiful country, you know, and, um, and, and I mean, I've always loved Spain and, and my intention was always to retire in Spain, which is still the intention, you know, but that's just made me even more excited now to think that I'm, I can be living here one day. But um, gone beyond any of the expectations I did have about it, you know, way better. Even though people said to me, Jarlath, you'll love it, it's brilliant, you know, you'll love it, you know. I said, okay, okay like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll love it, you know, but I really did love it, you know, and I would certainly want to do it again, you know. Um, I would like to do it after four grown-up kids. So I would like to do it with them, you know, either in stages together or separately. Um, I'm a bit of a last-minute sort of person. So they said, Dad, we just need a bit of notice because we actually go to work, you know, and have to take leave. I says, right, sorry, because I only decided a week before I was going that I was actually going to do it, you know. But, you know, so it, so we'll, we'll do that hopefully, maybe next summer or next Easter or whatever, you know. Are you spiritual? Like, did you find it was spiritual or was it nature or what was the thing? It, it was all of those things. It was all multi-sensory. You know, yeah. there was many things, you know, well, there was nice things to look at, things to listen to, you know, obviously spiritually as well, you know, not necessarily religious thing. Um, I, I did, I suppose one of the surprising things that did actually, I don't know, make me a bit more religious, you know, you know, because I'm, I'm Catholic, but, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a, a highly practicing Catholic, you know, but I did love the churches, you know, and all the religious symbols and stuff like that that we, that we saw. I mean, the cathedrals are just stunning. I was also with it, the small churches, you know, and, and the thing that I got from it, you know, because there was crosses everywhere, there was statues everywhere, was just like, you know, the Catholic Church was here just basically to say to people, look, we're here to look after you. You know, everywhere you, you'll see some type of symbol, so don't worry, everything's fine. You know, and, and that's what they did along the Camino, you know, the Knights Templar. And, you know, they built churches just to say to people, you're, look, you're safe now, you know, even if that was before, you know, they, after the, the sort of the Muslim or the Mur Empire left, these churches were put there to say, you're safe, don't worry, it's okay, it's good. So I really enjoyed that bit, and I wasn't even thinking about that bit at all. Um, you know, and I, and I went to the Mass in the Leon Cathedral. That was beautiful. I um, went to Mass in the, the Cathedral yesterday morning, Santiago, you know, stunning as well. And, you know, the big um, Buddha Fermera, you know, hanging there. Um, and it was just, wow, I'd love to see that in action, you know. But um, they, they didn't. Um, you know, swing that or whatever the, the term is for that one. So certainly I did enjoy um, one little place we were in. There was a pilgrim's service and the priest had us all up singing in our different languages and praying and, you know, reading. And, and that was that was that was nice as well. So, yeah, I, I definitely did enjoy that bit. And that wasn't part of why I, I went on it, but it was nice and it was good, you know, and um, so I enjoyed that bit. And if, the, if you had to pick, like, was there a particular, you know, the four regions, I say, they're very different from each other. It's like going to nearly four different countries. 
yeah was there which i think is what makes it you know it certainly does you know and um i think if you're doing the whole camino you, you actually get to see that whereas if you're doing stages then you don't you don't actually experience that one but i mean the hardest bit i thought was walking across what they call the meseta you know which is a high plateau that there's no trees really it's just all and because of the time of the year the harvest were all done so everything looked like a desert at times and and you know we were lucky our weather was brilliant so it was very hot so that that was quite hard going because there lots of places there was no services or bars or restaurants or anything you know for a long time so that was hard going i loved walking through navarra and um, rioca with all the vineyards you know just walking through those vineyards and actually eating the grapes was was just unbelievable you know um but then when you got to galicia you know so you got the mountain to ostebrero um and you could be back in ireland you know it is ireland i think in spain you know um and it was just actually this is just like being at home even the smells you know i live in a most of us in ireland are rural places you know you're, you're familiar with somebody driving cattle down the road and you know cow dung everywhere and it, it, you know, it was just very much like home and I, and I sort of felt very much at home and, and even as well when you, you go into old Severo I know it's a bit commercial but they're selling all these Celtic signs you know and say to people like this this you know this, this is like home and I was trying to explain to some people about you know the seven different Celtic nations you know like you know Galicia being one of them so that that was fun but but my my favorite Places were just the Spanish towns early on in the Camino, like Leon, you know, or La Grana, fantastic place. Um, even Estella was, was fantastic as well. Paploma was, was great, you know. And um, but, but especially during those regions, there was lots of little villages and bars and restaurants. You'd turn a corner and everybody was sitting, um, having a coffee or, or a beer. Um, the Spanish like to have beer in the morning, you know, with their bocadillos, their massive big sandwiches, you know, so it was, it was, it was fantastic. Everywhere was great, but um, certainly I would like, you know, I would recommend people to certainly go to Lagrano, um as one of those places. Burgos also, you know, fantastic town and something completely different would be Osobrero up on top of the, um, you know, up on the top of the mountain when you're about, um, 1,300 meters, you know. Now the border of Galicia, you're, go, you're just arriving then. Yeah, but, that, that's at the borders are with uh, Castilion and Leon and um, and Galicia. And interestingly, little things that I've noticed, you know, in all the all the signs, it'll say which region you're in. So when you're in um, Castilia y Leon, you know, the people from Leon have rubbed out Castilia. And then Southern. when you get to Castilla, they've rubbed like Leon. I said, yeah, this is a bit like home as well for me. Yeah. <laughs> Very territorial, you know. So that was interesting as well, just just little little things like that, you know. And the you food know, is gorgeous there. in Galicia. Oh, you know. But seafood. Only, um, seafood. Like I had the best popa ever in my whole life the other day in Miletis. Um, Pope is octopus, and this is yeah. this is this town's famous for it. Mm, it's and you're walking past, and they give you little free bits, and oh, with the padron peppers, you know, yeah. it's fantastic. But even you know the, the tapas, the pinchos, you know, and in, in some places you pay for it, but in other places, every time you get a drink, you get something to eat with it. 
you know, I think um, Leon was like that, you know, just, just so good, you know, and, and every, and you can just see how happy and relaxed the Spaniards are sitting in the plazas, having their food, their drinks, yeah. kids are running around, having a good time. So you can see why, you know, people in Spain live longer than most other European countries, you know, they don't seem to be as, as stressed as, as the rest of us, you know. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing, and I'm sure, I mean, I've done walks in other parts of the world and it's similar, but maybe this one a bit more. I just say you, I only met you. We had a little chat um, in a restaurant uh, a few weeks ago, but you kind of see people, you meet people on the Camino. I can understand how people do go back. Maybe it's because people are so open on the Camino or there's something about the connections that are made there. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, you're 100% right, you know, and it's, it's. I, mean, I, I definitely even talking now, I want to do that again. I want to be you know, sitting in a restaurant and meeting new people and having a chat and going for a nice walk. And it's just all of those things, you know, like that, that last bit of the walk, you know, the last day, especially through forest, most of the way, you know, and especially in the autumn time, it's just stunning, you know, but look, I wouldn't want to do it, but if I couldn't meet people. So if it was just the walking, I definitely wouldn't be interested, you know, or if it was just a social thing, but that big walk in the daytime is, is fantastic, you know, and, and just being able to do it at your own pace. And, you know, there's times I did walk with people, but most of the time I walked alone and I loved it. And my favorite thing was getting up early in the morning and walking in the dark and, you know, making a good start to getting a good start to the day. Um, yeah, you put the wee torch on your head and, and off you go and, looking for the yellow arrows everywhere, you know, to make sure that they, you don't get lost. You know, when we were talking to you actually in the restaurant, you know, um, John was talking about people like having kind of going with a question and whether we get answered. And did you find that the people were sort of, uh, you know, they were looking for something? Some people were definitely, you know, and some people got very philosophical about it. I think like in life, some people overthink things anyway, you know, like one of the guys I was with, German guy, he said, look, people keep asking me if I found out why I'm going or spiritual meaning. He says, I haven't, I don't know. He says, I'm feeling guilty. <laughs> I said, I'll just make it up, you know. Yeah. But, 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 but like, like for me, I just, you know, as I was saying, I was working in Malaysia and, you know, the pandemic meant I couldn't get to see the family or, or, or any of that for nearly two years. So I just quit basically. And then I got home and it says, right, you know, um, shall I retire or, or whatever? You know, I think I said, I don't know if I'm unemployed or, or retired. I think unemployed is probably a better description of it. But interestingly, on the, um, so I wasn't sure. So I was looking for answers for that as well. So like, what am I actually going to do next? You know, like I'm sort of 58 years old with a, a mind of a 17-year-old, you know, looking for a gap year and travel and adventure still. You know, my mother just shakes her head at me, you know. Um, but interestingly, during the Camino, I was actually offered a job, you know, and, and this is, this is very strange, you know, because you know, I'm a, a school principal of like, international schools. And this is what I've been doing. And I was actually offered a job for a Catholic school group in the United Arab Emirates, which is very rarely unheard of. Um, and I hadn't realized that, you know, in the Middle East, they've allowed the church to have to set up some schools, not necessarily as church schools but just as, as a school group, you know, to try and, you know, just give a different sort of slant on, on education. So part of that was me having a couple of Zoom interviews and, and being offered a job as well. Um, 
So that's what I'll be doing after this. Um, and the other interesting moment happened the other day, and I would usually have a, an apple for my breakfast. You know, so go to the supermarket night before, buy an apple, buy an avocado, and a tin of sardines. You know, and that would be my little sort of snack. And the, the other morning, I said, oh, I forgot my apple, you know. And th there was lots of, like, apples lying on the ground, all rotten, so I wasn't going to eat those. And as soon as I said, you know, I wished on the apple, I heard this thud behind me, and an apple fell off the tree right behind me. And I said, I better eat that. So I went and picked it up, and it was unbelievably sweet and beautiful apple. You know, so they do say the Camino provides. So, you know, it did provide for me the, the apple and a job and a bit more, you know, so I, I know now where I'm going after this. I met so many captivating guides who were full of knowledge and this really brought the Camino's history to life and helped me get an understanding of the different cultures of each of the four very different regions that you pass through when you're walking on the Camino. First now we're going to hear from my brilliant guide, Helder Sereja. You said a lovely um, thing about um, the Camino's for everyone. You remember that? Yeah. It, it's wild or it can be... Can be it can be history. It can be it can be be by yourself, but with yourself, with yourself, it can be just uh, like a like a sports thing. Yeah. For some, it's like a sport, or uh, for others, it's a uh, uh, well in the Middle East crisis. I want I want to to make sure I can I can continue to do things as I, I was doing it 30 years ago. All of these things are happening here in the in the Camino. It's that probably that makes the Camino so so open to so many people. It's not only religious, it's not only looking for yourself, it's also another way of looking to another country. It's like you can do it in the refugios or you can do exactly. it in hotels. There's many different ways. Yes, well, if you're more frugal, if you're more in into doing the pilgrimage, you probably will opt for refugees. If you're more into... I'm touristing, more into the, the, the tourism, the, the making a, a two-week two uh, holiday, having this way of experiencing things, you will probably will have a bed and breakfast and your luggage will be transferred instead of carrying a, a big backpack. This is much easier, no big backpack, but you still enjoy all the same struggles, all the same rocks that you have in the, in the, in the Camino. Exactly. But in a, in, a, in a more comfortable way, then you can have an even better experience. You have a car which supports you and you can have a picnic put for you, it's waiting for you there. But that's not really making a pilgrimage. Yeah. It's a bit different. I know. And I like that re the, the refugio we saw earlier on, it was by the monk. That's probably the next level, isn't the, it? The thing is, probably you will like one, one, one at a time. Exactly. Every day, I'm sure you will not. No, but to experience it, yeah, you know what it was like originally. That experience is no electricity, just monk. You can smell the incense in the, in the room. Exactly. But the thing is, as I, as I just told you now, that probably for us, for us more than for us more than, will be experienced for one day. Two day at the most in, in the old Camino. 
I'm, I don't think that we are able to disconnect at the moment. Yeah. We want to, but I think our, our cell phones are stick to us at the moment. Exactly. So all the churches that we keep going to are usually around the 12th century, aren't they? Most of them are, were start to build in the 12th century exactly because of that reconquest. That's we are on that moment where the Camino were able to be done as the, the kingdoms were coming to the south. You were Asturias, the kings from Asturias started to, to conquer terrain here. The same happens in, in Castilla Leon. We are in Castilla Leon, the part in Leon. The, the king at the time were pushing the, the, um, the more south and the royalty move their royal houses from what was Asturias to the north of Castilla Leon. Leon became the well the the, the head of the crown in in the 12th century. So most of these church had to be built uh, virtually at the same time as they, they were moving to south. And as the armies were moving, your, your, the clergy were sort of behind. Exactly, always behind. They were they were together. The clergy, clergy and the royalty were, were hand on hand, hand on hand, especially in the Catholic in the Catholic uh, countries. They were that they, they they attacked the Moors because it was a, uh, like a, a saint war because they, they needed to 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 relieve the the Christian from the oppression of the Moors. It was like going to Jerusalem to to to. Oh, now, now. Well, the Crusades were at the same time. Exactly. The, the Crusades were at the same time, and the Church wanted to expel the Moors, the the, the, the Muslims, south or out of the, the peninsula, because in the fifth century, the the Catholic, not the Catholic, but Christianity, were in all all the peninsula. So when in seven hundred and something, when the Moors invaded the peninsula and got almost to the top. In just just little than twenty years, uh, they expelled all the Christians from this area, or, or they were converted, or they had a very very hard time. So kings needed the approval from 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 the Vatican to be a king, and the Vatican needed the influence of a king to reach other areas. That's why they moved together as they were south. Next, we're going to hear from my lovely guide, Ursula, who's originally from Peru, talking about that lovely tradition on the Camino of everybody greeting each other with the phrase, Buen Camino. Over and upward. Did you get the idea? Yeah. Yes, that is what the real sense of the sentence Ultreya and then Etsuseya, no? Onward and upward. Because at the end, what's a, a phrase you use to encourage the people to continue 
Acto Santiago in the middle, middle ages. What's you know? the phrase? Ultreya et suseya is a Latin uh, expression that means onward and upward. So on the Camino, on the 12th century, at the 12th century, especially on those centuries, uh, that's how the pilgrims encouraged themselves on the trail, saying this way. And now the modern version. Buen Camino. And everybody says but that. No, yes, Buen Camino, especially in Spanish, even the language you use is mm -hmm. Buen Camino, because the Camino, I say the Camino, you, you, you heard that we say also in English, sometimes not usually using the, the San, way, San James way, usually just shorting and cutting with the name of Camino, yeah. is how a lot of people begin to, means the Camino de Santiago, it's the Camino. Yeah, it's a lovely tradition. Now you're going to hear from my guy Patricia Lange, who I walked with on the Galicia section all the way into Santiago. And we had great chats about the history of the city and about St. James and lots more. Here now is a little clip from Patricia. So, legend says that Fela just one night he saw something of shooting stars falling down from the sky in that spot, uh -huh. like thousands and thousands. And he started to hear some strange kind of voices coming from that spot. So he thought that was a very strange phenomenon. So he thought that maybe that was something like mystic or sign from God. So he decided to inform the bishop about what he had witnessed, those stars falling down from the sky. So the bishop traveled to the spot highlight at Pelagius, and there he found the ruins of a small crypt, subterranean crypt. So he just went down the crypt, and he found three tombs. And in one of the tombs, there was an inscription that said, this is the tomb of the apostle St. James the Greater, ah. one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. And the other tombs were the tombs of Theodorus and Athanasius, that were, they were the main followers of St. James, the ones that brought the mortal remains from Jerusalem to that spot. So that's how they discovered the tomb, because of these stars that fell down from the sky in that spot. So when pilgrims started to come to visit the tomb, and they heard this legend, this story of the stars, and they started to call to that place the Campus Stella, that means the field of stars. Oh. So from Campus Stella, it comes Compostela. Wow. So the name of the city means St. James of the field of stars. Santiago de Compostela. Wow. So that's why you are going to see stars everywhere. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's interesting. In Santiago, in most of the monuments, there are stars. 
uh, in the streets there are stars because it's the field of stars. So that's the legend about. <laughs> and I, I didn't. I thought Saint James came. I didn't realize. I thought he came alive. Yes, he came. Oh, he did come here. That's right. That's right. In you the know, first after, century. After Jesus' death, um, mm -hmm. the twelve apostles they were sent all over the world uh -huh. to spread Christian faith. Uh -huh. And each of them, they chose a part of the world. So, for example, St. Thomas, he went to India. Uh, St. Andrew, he went to Greek, to Greece, sorry. And St. James, he chose the Hispania, the woman Hispania. So he came in here to Christianize this area. Actually, he was in Galicia also, preaching in here in Galicia. And, well, in the Codex Calistinus is mentioned that St. James was in here. Actually, this was the last place that uh, St. James visited uh, when he was alive. Because from here, from Galicia, he returned to Jerusalem in the year 44. And as soon as he arrived in Jerusalem, he was beheaded by the King Herod. So that's why after his death, Theodorus and Athanasius, they brought the mortal remains from there, from Jerusalem, to this place. And it is said also that it was a kind of tradition uh, to bury the apostles in the last place where they had been preaching. So that's why St. Thomas was buried in India, and St. Uh -huh. Andrew is buried in Greece. So Saint they Peter were in Rome. That's right, mm. that's right. Because that was the last place where they were alive and they were preaching. So that's why they explained the decision of coming here to Galicia because it was the last place where he was alive. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, there are so many stories about... Uh, Santiago, you know, I was telling Catherine that it's not just a kind of religious destination. Mm -hmm. There is much more about our culture, pagan traditions, Christian beliefs. Hola. Hola. So that's why uh, in Santiago you mixed everything, and that's why it's so special, yeah. I think. And <laughs> is it the most popular part of the Camino? Santiago? Well, Galicia. Galicia. Santiago. Yes, I think so, because, uh, you know, it's it's unexpected. I mean, when you walk the Camino, uh, the French way, of course, you have this beautiful scenery, but it's more or less the same. I mean, there are no kind of lush sceneries or landscapes. I mean, it's kind of the same. And when they just enter Galicia and you start to see these mountains, yeah. it's like, oh my God, <laughs> where was this? <laughs> yeah. So it's very popular in that sense. Actually, many people, they start their Camino in Galicia. Yeah. In Ofebrero or in, in the southern part, in Tuyo. I mean, many people, they chose the Camino. I mean, only the Galician part of the Camino. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's, it's one of the most popular, yes. Well, you know, many people, they also do it because they want... They just want La Compostela. Yeah. So that's why you just need 100 kilometers. Mm. Oh, uh, right. okay. Even the docks. <laughs> <laughs> because we have, yeah, we have now a credential for the docks. A docks <laughs> credential, yeah. And you need to get a stamp. And at the end of the trail, you need to get the paw of the dock and the credential. <laughs> and you will go to the Pilgrims Welcome Center and they will give you the docks credential. <laughs> so, you know, I think that. Many people also, they, they choose the, the Galician part because they want La Compostela. Yeah. It's unusual, that thing over there, isn't it? Yes. It's a pigeon dove, yeah. What is it? A pigeon dove. You know, a pigeon cut. 
pigeon house? Yeah. Okay. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you know, pigeons were very appreciated. Like uh, 100 years ago, that was a kind of culinary delicacy. Oh, really? Yes. Here in Galicia. Actually, only rich people they could have them. Pigeon houses. Right. You know, here in Galicia, there's uh, a sentence. Uh, when you see, you know, in Galicia we have pathos, which are like um, uh, stately homes, mm -hmm. manor houses. And uh, in Galicia we say, um, Capilla, Palomar y Cipres, Pazo es. So it means if you have a pigeon house, if you have a cypress tree, and if you have a chapel, it means that there, that's a palace or a manor house. So you need those three elements <laughs> to be a kind of nobleman or to have a palace. Or <laughs> so pigeon house is very important. <laughs> Actually, after the, well, in the pandemic, many people that wanted to do it, Did it yeah. that's right, yes. that's right. So now that's why. We have so many Spanish people coming. Yeah, there's like so many. Yeah. We yeah. noticed an awful lot. Yes, lots of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have seen... They have the chance. That's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah. Many young people in the summer season, families yeah. with children, yeah. that they do the Camino, uh, groups from scholars and yeah. uh, teenagers. So it's, it's great. Yeah, we have to cross the river. We have now a bridge. So, do you know during the summer then when you see when there's big bigger crowds arriving in that's right, there must that's be right. an, but there must be an electric atmosphere you know when you've all these people coming in who have done I suppose there's a lot of people that are singing I keep saying to you every time I see them they're singing yes. <laughs> really yeah I can imagine <laughs> Some people are probably sad too because it's over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, after they arrive in Santiago, they can keep on walking. Can you see? Yes, yeah. yes, the Finisterre, which is the, the end dances, of the world. Yeah, yeah, the end of the world. Yeah. So many people, when they arrived in Santiago, they stay a couple of days. Yeah. And then uh, they start to walk again oh, to see the, the end of the world. Uh, the other day we met, he'd, he'd been walking for four months. He'd walked from four Warsaw, months? Warsaw and Poland. Krakow in Poland actually, sorry. Yeah. Oh. Four months. Four months walking. He was zipping along. That was yesterday. Yeah, up at the pass. Great pace. Oh really? Going yeah. fast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. He looked healthy. Yeah. I think all is in your mind. Yes. I think your body does what your mind wants. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the key. So the Americans are the biggest after scholarship. No, first Americans. Oh. First yeah, first Americans, then wow. Spanish. Wow. Portuguese. Brazilians? No, Italians. No. Oh, Italians. Oh. Yes, yes. Germans. Yeah. And then Brazilians. And then Brazilians. Yeah. And, and after Brazilians, Koreans. Ah. Yeah. What about the Irish? No, I was telling Catherine. Not so much. They are the 25th. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I thought we'd yeah. be way up the list. No, no. Everyone I talked to was like playing Camino. Yeah, she was telling me. I was surprised. Maybe I have oh. met, I don't know, in 15 years. Maybe 30 Irish wow. along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Compared with the Americans. Yeah. <laughs>
finally you're going to hear a clip now from Philip Martin who was on this podcast before and he chose the Camino as his happy place. So I'm going to finish with this clip that sums up perfectly the magic of the Camino. Uh, I did the the, the Camino um, Santiago there and um, I did it with a really good friend of mine from, uh, from school. We did it and um, I got every single day, you know, was a story I could to could tell you, um, but we got into a particular town, and it's the town after Rosavias on the Camino. But anyway, we we had a with a few drinks as you do, uh, following the following the the walk of the day and a dinner. When we arrived into town, there was some kind of festival going on. The, the, everything set up, and there was this kind of uh, kind of hand individual hand clapping in the air type thing it's hard to describe but it was anyway it was a great bloody laugh um but i, re- I remember kind of taking a few minutes and walking up to the, the bridge as you come into town and it's a tiny little town and the bridge is this really beautiful arch bridge that could probably only maybe fit two people um side by side as you walk over the bridge and the waters you know was rushing underneath and kind of, you know, if you're back or you're face to the town and you're back to the forest and, you know, you have looking in the, in the middle of the night, you know, you have the silence of the forest behind you, which we walked through that day. And then you're looking into the town and you've all the various goings on and activity. And there was there was this kind of firework bull, um, which probably similarly wouldn't be allowed under any help health and safety rules in Ireland whereby they just strapped fireworks to a bull um, a mechanical bull and then that someone that someone held and then they ran around the place firing fireworks at everyone uh, so just absolute bedlam and uh, madness but the very best of it and uh, I remember just sitting on the, uh, the bridge I, I had a, a beer in my hands and back to the forest face of the town and just been thinking it was absolutely bliss and just completely calm and chilled out um so and especially when i when i spend kind of you know all day every day running a million miles an hour with the uh, the business kind of little moments of absolute calm are, are really 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 nice so that's what i think of yeah i think there's something particularly about walking you know when you go into that zone it, it, you know there's nothing like it isn't there for clearing the head no, there's not, and, and especially you know on, on that particular journey, um, that trip, I turned off my phone um, for effectively I think it was like a week, um, week on, a week off, or say a week on, and then I turn turn it on for a day and catch up with all this stuff, and then I'd turn it off again. So this the that's the most I could achieve in terms of time uh, time away from the business i think we're all so switched on always on at the moment that it's you kind of forget you know what it's like when you, you have a bit of time without the, the phone on constantly but yeah you know that regiment of uh especially with the camino whereby you get up when it's you know still dark and you're you're walking through the forest the sun rises you know you're eating on the on a trail and then you're you know you're arriving into a new town each day you see everything for the first time and you go to bed in that town and you get up the next day and go somewhere else i think it's very it's very very it's really lovely really great way of kind of resetting and uh, resetting the clock of sorts over the last three episodes i've tried and i hope i have captured some of the magic of walking in the camino 
I take a break now for Christmas and I'll be returning in January with some really great guests with some really great travel stories. So if you haven't already, I'd ask that you'd follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and a brand new episode will drop at your phone in 2022. If you're looking for something to listen to over the Christmas, I've got three seasons of great interviews and you can get them on TravelTalesWithFergal.ie. So have a peaceful and happy Christmas. I look forward to seeing you again next year. You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal.